Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everyone. It's Nick here, and welcome to this week's episode of Scale Up Your Business. So today, it's me, no interviews. So you're going to get a bit of a a deep dive into some more of the mechanics of business scale-up. Not to say that I haven't been enjoying the conversations and the various people that have been coming on the show. I am learning a lot. In fact, I'm closing in on 12 months of doing this podcast in a few short weeks' time. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a special episode where I reflect back on all the conversations and all the learnings that I've had because it's been it's been an amazing year. So thank you for that. Thank you to everyone who's been listening to the show. I'm always very grateful for the feedback. I'm always grateful for suggestions. So a lot of what's happened, certainly in the last six months, have been ideas from you guys about where the show should go, sort of things I'm doing. And I'm always constantly looking for uh, advice, feedback, things that you want to hear about because the community is growing, which is fantastic, becoming very international. So we're in 130 countries now. And as I said, you know, this is not just about me talking to you guys every week, bringing different people on. It's about what you want to get out of the show as well. So today it's me and I'm going to go a little bit deeper into scale up today. I'm going to slow down a little bit because I'm conscious that we've covered so many different things on Scale Up Your Business, and I want to kind of bring it back to some of the core principles. A lot of people ask me, what's the difference between startup and scale up? And I'm very clear, it's the ability to lead, lead yourself, lead other people. It's the ability to build a team. It's, you know, it's say it's easy starting off a business in a garage with you and maybe another business partner. You know, that takes a lot of courage just to get yourself into that position. But when you start to get some success, you start to get some customers coming in, you're starting to get some validation of what your product and your business is about, then it's about, you know, working with people to scale that. And that's why when people ask the question, it's quite a simple answer. But what I'm going to get into today is a little bit more detailed around the same principles. And it's what I call the circle of business. And this is the, there's a number of components, if you like, that if you have all of these things in place then you are going to have, I suppose, your lens and your, your thinking about the, the, the where, the, where your business is and where it should be and where it can go is going to be much clearer and much more um, deliberate and intentional. So I've talked about some of these concepts uh, in detailed episodes, but I want to give you the summary today so that you can think about each of these points. And maybe as I'm going through, give yourself a score. So give yourself, give yourself a score out of 10. If it's a circle and you've got a good score in each of the categories that I mentioned today, then you know, you're going to have a business which, like any type of wheel, is going to be working in, in an optimal way. If you've got some areas which you're doing really well in, but you've got some that are not yet where they need to be, then that's also a trigger for you. It's a learning for you so that you can work on that area. And when you're setting your goals, and I know most of you now are out there, with your goals, with your vision, yeah? And you're nailing it because it's the beginning of 2020. I'm joking. I know a lot of you are still working through kind of those plans. But you can start to think about this wheel as a, as a scorecard. And 
And if there are three or four of these areas that you think, you know what, I'm not quite there, that's where you need to go and think, okay, how am I going to improve that? Where can I get some help? Who do I need to bring in? What do I need to invest in? Who do I need to become to be able to do those things? So let's go through it. And, you know, as you're doing it, give yourself a score. I'll go through each of the categories in a bit of detail and my, my personal reflections on each of them. And hopefully that will give you, as I said, a blueprint, a scorecard, something like that, that you can start to frame your goals as you're heading into the new year and the new decade. So the first one is, and I've mentioned this a few times, it's about knowing where you really are in your business, having that effective business map. And, you know, when the world is changing so rapidly, you've got to have, I I often call it vision. Yeah, have the vision, know where you're going. And then when you work back from the vision, you're going to have what we call the gap. And like anything, if you haven't got a plan, you can't navigate any of the challenges that are coming ahead. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of stats around this. 50% of businesses fail in the first year. 80% of those will fail within five years. Only 96% of businesses survive after 10 years, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're profitable either, right? They're just surviving. But you've got to have a map that you can adapt to in a changing landscape. So when I'm doing my planning in my businesses, and we, we do it in a kind of interesting way because we have a, a sort of quarterly rhythm, a quarterly cadence is what I call it, where we, we have goals for the year and we have visions that go further ahead. But I've changed my thinking somewhat on this because I used to go and think about five-year plans. Back in my corporate day, you'd think about, you know, how do you build a five-year plan? Now, I say that's, that's bullshit these days, right? Because the world's changing so much. You can have, you know, a vision for your business that goes a long way out right? Because a vision is something you want to create and you want to sow that seed. But when you're getting into planning, I think you can go three years. Three years kind of gives you something to work with. But I'm, I'm much more deliberate and intentional about 12-month plans with that 90-day cadence. And what I find happens is you can, you can achieve those goals because actually the, the world's not going to change massively in 12 months. It's going to change a lot. It's in, the pace is increasing. But you know, you're not going to have a totally new category or industry formed in 12 months. Certainly not right now. As things speed up in the next you know, five years or so, that, that pace may increase even more. But effectively, you can achieve your goals in 12 months if you break it down and get, again, as I said, very intentional about what those things are. So know where you are, know where you're going, and then you can understand the gap. That's the first one. So give yourself a score. The score out of 10. Where are you on that one? Okay. Next one is marketing. I've talked a lot about marketing. Is my background. I know, you know, I've talked about it. I talk about how do you create an amazing marketing strategy and plan for your business. And again, I've said this and I want people to write this down. If you haven't written this down and put it somewhere in your office, briefed it to your teams, you're missing a trick. It's the secret of marketing in my, my opinion, certainly these days. And that is are you constantly serving and adding value to your customers in a way to some extent that the psychology is that it's without really any expectation? So I talk quite a lot about creating customers versus winning customers. I'm going to go much deeper into that in the next few weeks. I'm doing a, a keynote speech actually this weekend on that topic at a fantastic event called the Pocket MBA with a good friend of mine, Jane Baylor. And the whole principle about that is When I say without expectation, of course you want to sell your product and service. You want to provide a solution. So I'm not being stupid about this. 
But the more that you show up and you serve, the more that you help, the more that you build your brand around that, the more you're never going to have to worry about spending, you know, a heap of time and money on marketing because it will all compound back. And one of the things I say here is, you know, it's, it's what your customers would say about you and it's what they would say about you to other people. Okay, so, you know, there's some stats that back this up. So if you've got a great reputation and you literally have, I'll talk a bit more about raving fans, but you have these people who absolutely love what you do, then you're going to have many, many more inbound inquiries. You're not going to have to worry about this side of your business. And a lot of people get this wrong because they think it's a combative process where they have to win, they have to win at all costs. And it's not that. It's not that at all. So here's some stats again. 79% of marketing leads never convert into sales, yet 50% are qualified, but they're not ready to buy. Why is that the case? Okay, and the case really is, or why that happens, it's a lack of lead nurturing. And that means allowing people, adding value, allowing them to engage, understanding where they are on the journey before you show, you know, something where it's a pitch to get them to buy. Okay, so that whole process you need to understand. Again, give yourself a score. It's one of the things that people come to me and want help with more than anything else because it can be the most confusing thing. I've even had people, and this is quite funny, they say, oh, I don't believe in marketing. I go, right, okay, How, how's your business doing? Oh, it's doing great. You know, we're, we're, we're growing. Okay, oh, how's, how's that happening? Oh, it's, you know, word of mouth, word of mouth. Okay. Usually in the same conversation, we'll get into, oh, well, you know, so what, you know, what, what's, how, how's that really going for you in terms of uh, how your leads year on year? Oh, you know, it's, it's, well, we're not really growing that much. We're growing sort of single digits. How are your competitors doing? Oh, I've got no idea. All of these kind of questions are triggers of alarm bells for me because, again, if you want to have a business, this is about scale up, right? If you want to have a business that's scaling, really significantly growing, more importantly than that one that's going to be sustainable in the future, you've got to bring some of this, this understanding into your business. Even if you don't believe it's powerful, trust me, from my experience, it's the game changer. When I buy a business, the first thing I do is improve the marketing. There you go. Okay, give yourself a score out of 10. Next one. Now, this one's about sort of bottom line sales mastery through systems. So are you experiencing really significant growth in your bottom line through the use of systems, right? So if marketing is about making people want to do business with you, you get paid for sales, okay? So you've got to create multiple channels to capture, convert, and close sales. So, you know, I get asked, when asked, you know, what keeps business owners up at night, it's usually figuring out how to attract new customers. Well, there's another part of that, which is, you know, getting referrals from current customers. But you've got to be able to think about the link. And this is the important part of this one. It's the link between marketing and sales. Now, some more experienced people have been in sort of corporate land for a long time. They usually come along and say, oh, sales is more important than marketing because you get paid for sales, right? So my point at the very beginning of this, this area. But if you get this working well for you, you can actually bring those two things together. So, so the world-class marketing is still about how you talk about your brand, how you engage, how you create customers. The sales is the systems that put in place that allow you to allow the conversion to happen in a natural, almost, it, it, it's an expected outcome. I often say to the sales teams that I've run, and certainly the sales people in my business, people who are accountable for those areas, 
If your activity levels are strong, in other words, you're engaging, you're having conversations, you're managing people through a clear pipeline, the sales are going to fall through. It just becomes a natural part of the conversation. Because what you're doing is you're, you know, you're solving the problem, you're understanding what that is, you're showing how you do that, you're inviting them to participate. They may not be ready to to buy at the point in time where you're first having that conversation, but you keep having the conversation. And then eventually what happens is you start to build really strong revenue flow because you've got enough activity happening through that funnel, through those conversations, through that nurturing. Okay? So the question here, the score here is, are you experiencing really significant growth from the sort of your mastery of sales systems or conversion systems, the use of funnels? Give yourself a score of that. Okay, next one. Are you constantly and strategically innovating in the key areas of your business? So we're starting to move now into sort of proposition and product. And this is important. So this is not necessarily just about technology, but it can be. It can be about your offers. It can be about your offer operations. It can be about, you know, the strategy. You know, you could be throwing money out the window if you're not uh, innovating and improving all the areas and the components of your business. So strategy, you know, it's not really the size of investment, but it's the greatest determining factor in the success of any sort of innovation initiative. So 54% of companies struggle to align their innovation strategy and their business strategy, leaving many of them flying blind as they place bets on, on ideas that they think are going to solve problems that don't exist. So I want to reiterate that point. Now, I always say, I'm really strong about it, the first components when you're, when you're thinking about your business is you've got to absolutely know your audience. You know, that can't be ambiguous at all. And in some cases, less is more. Yeah. And you have to understand their problem and it has to be a real problem. If you have no idea how to solve their problem or if, if you know, you don't understand what someone's really challenged about, you haven't got a business. So this part around innovation is, is really about taking what you're seeing externally, mapping that into the ideas and the creativity that you have in your business. And, you know, that can still be a small business. This doesn't have to be a big sort of performance or empire. And what you're trying to achieve there is you're trying to say, okay, how can I constantly improve? Is it the experience that I want my customers to have? Is it a way that I, I, I create different features and benefits on the product? Is it about bringing some technology into the business which allows um, the customer to engage in a different way? Now, again, this is not something I personally suggest that you're doing daily because it can be a distraction. And a lot of entrepreneurs are creatives at heart and therefore they kind of love this area. They go, oh, yeah, I've got to be constantly and strategically innovating, innovating product, product, create, create, create. And then you lose focus. So I'm not saying that, but you should have an idea about where are the areas that you want to innovate and improve in your business on an annual basis. And then when you're going back to that quarterly cadence that I talk about, that's where you want to go deeper into how you're improving things. Okay. So think about that. Think about innovation. Are you doing any? What's the score? Or are you doing too much? (laughs) Have a think about it. So just to summarize those first four areas, because I know I've moved relatively quickly on this. First one is about having a plan, knowing where you want to go, you know, knowing where you are today, using metrics and measurement around that. 
how forensic are you in your business? Doesn't mean you have to have sheets and sheets of spreadsheets. If anything, it's a one pager with the key things that are driving your business. You know, where are you on that? Do you have world-class marketing, progressive thinking around marketing, the understanding of digital, not this idea that it's about putting an ad in your local radio station? I mean, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but if that's all you think marketing is, you're missing the trick. So world-class marketing, as I said, the point I want to make there is that's the key differentiator with any business I buy. As soon as I can implement any expertise or knowledge or experience I have in that area, that's when I get significant scale up. So that's, that's for me, one of the, the core bits. Aligned to that, the next one is sales systems, the pathway to conversion. How well do you have the sales and marketing piece of your business lined up? If you're a bigger business and it's not just you know, you leveraging what you can in that sort of startup mode. I, I don't tend to have marketing teams called marketing teams anymore. Okay. So I actually call them customer or client acquisition. And the reason for that is I can join the line between or join it up between this idea of where the funnel starts, where I'm trying to build leads and then where it all kind of goes in terms of a conversion. Okay, so I know I've talked a lot about those. They, they do sort of co-join together. They are important things. If I want to simplify, there are four key metrics across this that you need to be thinking about, okay? And looking at it really daily, it's one is leads. Second is appointments. You know, appointments can be, you know, online um, as well if, some, if you're in an e-commerce business, but it's more about how people engage in whatever way. Then it's about proposals and then it's about sales, okay? So think about those things. You should have metrics around leads, appointments, proposals, and sales. And that's the join up between those sort of two points of marketing and sales. Okay. And then we talked about innovation. Not too much, not too little, but making sure that it is part of your plan. Okay. So we're halfway there now. We're going to keep going. If everyone's with me still. So think about this as, as I said, a circle of business, a circle of scale up, whatever you want to call it. Um, And now we're going to move into the point I made a little bit earlier, which is about raving fans. So the question here is, do you have raving fan customers and a culture around this? Now, it doesn't matter, again, how big you are. It's, it's It's an ideology. It's a philosophy. But the biggest mistake I think that companies make is they they fall in love with their business and their product or their product and not with their clients or their customers. So you need to know more about your ideal customer than anybody else, what they desire, fear, hope, aspire to be. So it's not just about where they live. It's not a demographics, you know, in in my sort of years back in the late 90s of marketing, it was kind of demographic profiling of your customer targets. And what that simply means is, you know, what age group are they? Are they male or female? Where do they live? There was no behavioral or aspirational thinking around this stuff. And that, that, that changed massively sort of in the 90s. And now we talk about it all the time. We add many, many more layers to it. But it's important because it gives you a richness and an understanding. So again, I'll give you some stats on this. The number one reason that startups fail is due to a lack of a need for their product or their service in the marketplace and the failure of this to meet the needs of potential clients. I mean, the stat on this is quite, in the US is quite scary. The lack of that need took out 42% of US small businesses in 2019. 
okay? So you're starting to get a sense of this. Give yourself a score of how well you understand your customers. How customer-centric are you? It doesn't mean that you still shouldn't have product innovation and operational efficiency. There's a great Harvard article on, on these three points, but customer centricity is a, a critical area. I, I like to buy businesses that, or invest in businesses that have a very strong sense of this. Because I know, I, you know, the first thing I say to people is, you know, understand their problem. What is the problem? Really get, and, and, and this is my point before, and I don't mean to be, you know, too challenging to my, entrepreneurial listeners out there, which most of you are, who are the creatives because, you know, they say, oh yeah, but, you know, but think about people like Henry Ford where, you know, no one knew that they wanted a car. They just knew that they didn't want to ride a horse. Well, okay. <laughs> the, the problem to be solved is still the fact that riding a horse was bloody inefficient. <laughs> that was the problem. The fact it could take you days to go from town to town, you know, that's not, that's not great, is it? So anything that's going to get you faster between A to B is going to be a better solution. So he just happened to create a car, right, off the back of that problem. But he understood the problem. And so I always say problems come first, solutions come second. So this whole idea about raving fans, you create raving fans by bringing all of it together. So it's a combination of these things. It's about the marketing and the positioning and the branding as much as it is the product. But you need to be very, very customer centric. So give yourself a score on that. How well do you understand your customer? Is there one customer from a brand perspective that you appeal to and you serve? And how do you then sort of think about how broad that is in terms of, okay, well, if it's that's, that's who our brand's about, but who are the people who, who I can solve the same problem for? And that's going to be the starting point of some of your commercial activity. Okay, now we're going to get into two of the bits that I probably haven't gone into enough on the podcast, and I'm conscious of that. I've had feedback from you that we talk a lot about marketing and sales. We don't talk a lot about things like operation, operations, systems, automation, leverage. And it's not that I don't think those things are important. I think they are critical in scale-up. Um, it's just that I think we, when, when we talk about kind of where's the, where's the first problem to be fixed, Normally in business, it's getting your cash flow working really, really well. So we are going to go more into this and I'm going to bring some, some specialists in on this stuff just so you can get a bit more balance around what we have been talking about this last 12 months on scale up your business. But the question you need to ask yourself here, back to your scorecard, is are you tapping into, I suppose, the power of, of growth through optimization and maximization? So sometimes the biggest growth opportunities don't come from new initiatives, but rather from taking the existing core business that you have, the processes, and executing them much more effectively than you are now. I'm working with a couple of people at the moment where they've, they've, chased, they've chased the top line of their business. They've got really stunning revenue growth, and the operational part hasn't caught up. And when I, when I go into a business and I spend some time with someone, one of the things we do is we break down a very, very simple uh, financial analysis. And I'm looking at um, percentages of year-on-year -year change around things like revenue, top-line revenue, gross profit, uh, direct uh, costs, so cost of goods sold, COGS, as it's often referred to, and then any other overhead. 
And what I'm really looking at is I'm looking at kind of if you've had really, really strong top line growth, I want to see how the costs have balanced. And that's not to say that they should be equal. So if, you had, if you've doubled the size of your business and you've gone from you know, A to B and it's 100% growth, I don't expect that that same cost structure is going to be, um, particularly depends on the stage of the business. So if you're in startup, sometimes you can have more costs going in at the beginning because you're fueling the business for that, that journey. But there is a point in time where you, you want to be making more profit by controlling the cost because you're, you're leveraging and you're optimizing and you're maximizing. And you'd be surprised how many people don't really look at their business in that way. Yeah, but it's one of the parts. When you're going through scale up, there is a point in time where you want to start to become more valuable. Back to my many, many podcasts about how you sell a business and what you sell a business on is that EBITDA, it's that profit. And that the way that you do that is you have to operationalize and leverage what you've got. So the way to think about this is a small incremental improvement made in just a few key areas of your business can result in literally geometric growth to the business as a whole. So I'll give you some stats on this. B2B customers um, traversing sort of 57% of the funnel on their own before encountering a sales ramp, okay? Now, how can you intercept the buyer earlier on and how would this dramatically impact your business? Now, you may think that's sales and to some extent it is, but you, you, you will use things like technology systems to be able to do that. So I sometimes find that if you're looking at a business, one of the, one of the, the easiest ways to get leverage in this area is through technology, is through automation, as much as it is also outsourcing the things that you don't critically need in the business. So again, similar to what I was saying around product and innovation and that kind of innovation culture, you need to have in your plan some goals, some shifts, some movements, some continuous improvement around this area. So again, it's a score. If you are really suboptimal, you know, everything's on paper, everything's very labor intensive. And, you know, you might still have a very good business in terms of might be profitable. You're going to be massively more profitable if you start to put some focus into this area. Okay. So as I said, we'll do some more on this in the future. But for now, just give yourself a score on how well you are in optimizing and leveraging and maximizing your business. Okay. And then the final one, the final score, I've left it till last. It's the important one. Okay. Even more important than marketing, believe it or not. It is financial and legal analysis. Whoa, how exciting, Nick. I can't wait to hear what you think about this. <laughs> okay, more. God, you know, what the, you know the answer. It doesn't sound exciting, but God, it's the thing that will trip you up more than anything else. Okay, as an entrepreneur, it's the thing that people get wrong the most. I've talked about cash flow. I've talked about valuable businesses. It all stems here, particularly on, you know, the governance layer of your business. Now, I, I don't really want to do a full episode on governance layers. I'm probably going to have to do one. I'll, I'll get someone really interesting <laughs> to talk about this. But this is so, so critical. I, again, I'm working with someone at the moment who hasn't got the right setup here. And it is painful to the point we have to bring some people in to help fix and remediate so let's get into it. it it's, a, it's, it's literally a superpower of your business, having strong financial and legal analysis. So some of the questions here, 
Again, if you're giving yourself a score, do you know where your company is spending its money? It's easy to lose sight of the key measurements that can predict progress or, you know, demise. Yeah. So being able to measure where your business is, where it's going, being able to see the blind spots could get you into heaps of trouble at the factors that are paramount for any business. That's why I said I'm not going to be flippant with what I said before. This is important stuff. So the second highest cause of business failure is due to cash flow. Okay. In fact, 29% of all startups last year, again, I'm referencing some US data here, failed because of a cash crisis. Okay. So just to, again, reiterate the two points, what was number one? Well, number one was a failure for having a product that actually meets a need or solves a problem in the marketplace. And the second is running out of cash. So if you want to write those two things down somewhere in your journal, they're the things not to do. (laughs) Get those ones nailed. Make sure you've got a product market fit and make sure you've got cash. And this this is one of the reasons I get approached a lot around investment. And lots of people kind of come to me and say, hey, I've got a startup and it's a technology startup and we've been going for a couple of years. And some of them are reasonably successful in terms of a revenue. So some of them, you know, making seven figures in revenue. First question I ask them is, how profitable are you? Oh, we're not profitable. Okay, okay. I kind of expected that response. When are you going to be profitable? Uh, sometimes I'll get a good answer here, right? So I don't really, again, be flippant. Next year will be, you know, in March next year will be profitable. We've tracked it. It's going to be here. Okay. Um, sometimes, and probably more often than not, people go, oh, I don't know. At some point we'll be profitable. But it doesn't matter. We're going to sell this business on a revenue multiple. And I don't want to bore you with the details of this. But basically what that means is someone's going to buy the business on the potential for it to be profitable. And there are many examples of this with things like Facebook when it floated and you've got WeWork at the moment, the, the, the uh, co-working space, which is struggling because it's not profitable. And, and this is, there's a lot of money out there in the VC, venture capital and private equity world at the moment. So it's quite lazy for an entrepreneur to be able to go out there and raise money and, and invest in these things. Now, don't get me wrong. There are businesses that absolutely can play this game, but they're not businesses I invest in. Because I like valuable, you could argue, boring businesses. Boring, you know, boring because they're not this cool tech startup in San Francisco where everyone, you know, rides cool bikes to work and has, you know, sunglasses on all day. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I, hey, listen, I, I get involved in that, you know, when I'm speaking and I, and I, I mentor people in that space. That's so all cool, right? But it's not where I'm going to put my money because I'm about value. And so this, this point here, when you're scoring this, It's really a score, again, a score out of 10 about where you feel comfortable in your governance layer. Even if you are that that tech business, which is not profitable, but knows it's going to be, and you understand that, and you've really thought that through, and that is the right strategy for you, then you're going to give yourself a high score here. But again, if, let's say you're a more traditional business, and you don't know where profit's going to come from, if you know that you can pay the bills, but you don't really project a cash flow analysis going forward. So if something hits you, it could be a legal case, it could be all sorts of different things that come left of field, but you don't really know how you're going to manage it. You are flying your business blind. And again, I like to buy these businesses, yeah, because I know that I can come in there and I can put some metrics in, I can put some systems in, I can improve the marketing, 
I can, you know, effectively provide more leadership and a bit more focus and, and get a lot of value. And that's, you know, what I've been doing for 10 years as a scale-up expert. But, you know, the principles I'm trying to get across to you, certainly today's episode, but across the, the podcast in a whole is you can learn this stuff. And if you start to have some basic frameworks, some basic foundations in place, then you're going to be able to be significantly more successful in what you're trying to achieve. Okay, so that's it. That's all I'm going to cover today. I've gone into quite a bit of detail. I'm going to summarize very quickly because I know you like it when I summarize. Circle of business. Think of it as a wheel. There are literally seven components that I went through today in this wheel, and hopefully you've given yourself a score out of 10 for each of those. And I'm, you know, I'm really hopeful that some of those, you're smashing it out of the park and you're, you know, you're above a seven, eight, nine, potentially a 10, you know, you really got it going. But anything that's kind of below that, anything that's certainly below a five out of 10, I would encourage you to just pull those apart a bit, go into a bit more detail and think, okay, this year, this coming year, if I want to improve in those areas, because they're all important, I don't want you to think that one is more important than the other. Um, that's going to be an area of focus, an opportunity for you to improve your business in 2020 and beyond. Okay, so just to go through again very quickly, start off effective business mapping. Understand where you're going, understand where you are today, understand the gap. You've got to know where you are before you can move forward. Okay, that's the first one. Second one is amazing marketing, progressive marketing using the tools that are out there now at your disposal. They understand what a personal brand is, understand what direct response marketing is, understand social media. Align with that, maximizing sales systems. This is the funnels. This is how you take someone from the very beginning as a lead all the way through to converting to a sale. It aligns with the point around marketing, but it's how you then manage that customer or that client all the way through to something that allows you to get paid, allows the business to get paid. Fourth one is around innovation, strategic innovation, the product. How are you constantly improving the operations? Making sure that you're not just saying that, hey, I solved that problem three to five years ago, it's now solved. Yeah, you've got to constantly be looking at the market and understanding what's going on to see where you can gain or maximize that advantage. Okay, the fifth one, which again, they all align. So you can start to see a sequence. This is about raving fans, raving, raving fan customers and having a culture that is customer centric. So you can see how this one and the last one work together because if you're, if you're really talking to your customers, you understand the problems, you understand how their problems are evolving, then that's going to also inform how you think about your innovation strategy. Yeah, it's going to inform how you think about your marketing. Okay, and then the last two, Optimization, maximization of systems, technology, your operating model. Looking for constant improvement around that. Small incremental wins, gains will make a massive difference. So what you're looking at here is how can I do this better? How can I do this easier? How can I do this more effectively? How can I do this more efficiently? Those small wins without making too many big bets will make your business more profitable and more valuable. Which brings us into the very last one, number seven, a really strong financial and legal analysis, a governance layer of your business. The main point here, as I said, is about cash flow. It's about understanding how the, the business is absolutely designed 
to generate cash for you to invest, ultimately for you to be able to create value at some point, depending on what you want to do with your business. That's either going to line your pockets, it's going to take you closer to you know, freedom, to wealth, living life on your terms, or it's going to allow you to exit the business and get investors or sell the business to investors. And that's going to you know, get you to the same outcome. Yeah. Scale up your business, scale up your life. Yeah. It's ultimately what we all want to do. And that's why I talk about those two things in a congruent way. So that's it. That's it. Enough. Full on episode with me talking for God, well over half an hour. Hope you got lots out of it. Have a think about this. Think about your colleagues. Think about how you want to use this model. Perhaps you want to have a session where you can kind of get your team together if you're a bigger business and start to say, listen, how do we score on these things? How, how do we rank? And how does that map into our plans this year? Have a think about it. Yeah. And as I said, it's always good just to have a few frameworks, you know, something to be able to at least um, measure where you are today so you know where you want to go. That's it. That's it for me today. As I said, if you're liking these episodes, I know many of you now are sharing this. Please subscribe, leave a review. It's always good. If you don't want to leave a review, but you want to give me feedback and get in touch with me, you can, get, you can find me on LinkedIn, on Facebook. I've got a new website which is going to be launching in the next two weeks. And that's going to be a much easier way for you to kind of come and find me. That's going to be www. Uh, nickcbradley.com and that's going to have all sorts of stuff on that. I'm going to put resources, more show notes. You can listen to the podcast on there. It's going to have some information about educational programs that I've got either currently around the place or coming through the Scale Up Your Business Academy. And it's going to have uh, obviously opportunities for coaching, mentoring with me as well. So have a look for that. I will announce it officially once it goes live, but it's literally going to be in the next couple of weeks. That's it. As I always say, be grateful, be brave, have faith, and show up. Bye for now.